This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat Questions podcast, your weekly podcast in which the users, the VIPs, the important people over at GoPowerCat.com get to ask us the questions at Wabash Station or message board, and we answer them on this podcast for all to hear. It's, it's a simple formula. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, Ryan Gills Gilbert is not with us. And I, and I mean, he's just not here presently. He's feeling under the weather. So if it turns out it's much worse, and then I'll feel bad for saying he's not with us. I've never understood the phrase under the weather. Isn't everybody technically under the weather? Uh, let's, let's look this up on the Google machine. Oh, I just hit my mic. Origin of under the weather. Here we go. Here we go. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) On the high seas, when the wind would start to blow hard and the water became rough, crewmen and travelers would go below deck, down to their cabins in order to ride out the storm and avoid becoming seasick. In this way, they literally retreat to a location under the weather. There we go. That's my dramatic reading for this podcast. That dramatic reading was brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. If you need liquor to do stupid stuff, go to the fridge. If you're Fitz, you can do stupid stuff sober. But he still goes to the fridge. The fridge. At the corner of this and that in the town in which we live. There we go. Segment sponsors are Tanners and the High Low. Stop in, say hello. Make sure you come to town when you come to town, you head to Aggieville, support local businesses, get into the Tanners, watch a lot of football, go down to Hilo, grab a slice, and then uh, stand in the middle of the street and obstruct traffic. Yeah. But but when you get arrested, don't tell the police that I told you to do it. Uh, are, are we worried about Gills in any way? He didn't go to the press conference today. He's not here. I can't confirm he's still alive. Oh, you're still alive. Okay. Yes. Well, he did test. Oh, someone texted me with his phone. Dun, da, da, da. Hmm. How's his arm doing? We'll find out. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's got a lot of ailments. Uh, I think, I, I, I personally think he's just tired of us. He just doesn't like us anymore. Anyhow, we don't like him. So let's move on to your questions from Wabash Station. No doubt about who's reading them this week. Yes. Cole Carmody. First question comes from Mr. Dadman. Very important question. Why does K-State struggle so much in the third quarter? I don't know. It's it, it, At this point, it's got to be something in what they're doing. Systematically, it has to be something. I just, not being privy of what happens at halftime, I mean, maybe... Chris Kleiman learned a lot of stuff from coaches that won a lot of football games, but he learned half times from Mac Brown. I don't know. He's handing out PB and J's and lemonades in the locker room. I don't know what's going on. Literally, it's baffling and concerning. And I'm I'm concerned that they're so bad in the third quarter. K State started with the ball how many times this year with in they've lost, the second half? They've lost every coin toss. I think they've right? lost every yeah. coin toss. Yeah. Yeah. I think so that might be back. half of it is they got to come out and they have to defend first. So they fall flat. They don't get to go out and make a statement. You know, maybe that's a little bit of it. I don't think that's everything, but I, th- I think we can all agree. Noah Johnson screwing up the toss. 
Is he the one that calls it? I think so. I'm just throwing him under well, the bus. Well, mm. they've never called it. They've been the home team oh, all three oh, times. True. But it's still Noah Johnson's fault. See, what, what's so weird, though, is it's not like they're a bad second-half team because they've dominated the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make any sense. It you doesn't. Would, you would think, oh, well, maybe they over-adjust or maybe they under-adjust. But that's definitely not the case because if they did either one of those, then they would not dominate the fourth quarter like they do. So I, it, it is very perplexing. I still have yet to even come close to figuring it out. Well, I mean, they did say that – Nevada came out and was defending them differently in the third quarter and Messingham and Connor Riley after a couple of possessions put their heads together and figured out how to block it differently. So it just opened wide open again. And I'm with you. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But I will stay behind my claim that it's all Noah Johnson's fault for no logical reason, <laughs> no evidence. I'm just throwing him under the bus. Wow. I know. He's, Sorry, the, no. he's typically the guy closest to the white hat. Is he? I th- I, look, I'm not sure, but I'm still throwing him under the bus. That's Don't doubt my evidence, even if it's not real. We'll find out Saturday, I guess. There we go. Next question comes from KNED. Does the staff need to do a better job of anticipating and having plans for possible halftime adjustments by the opponent? Coach Kleiman mentioned a change Nevada made that took the offensive staff an entire quarter to counter, kind of like we were just talking about. I don't know. It took them an entire quarter to counter. Just yeah, I don't probably know. settled in, started wearing them down. I think we're going to see K-State be a good fourth quarter team for one very significant reason. They play a lot more guys and they're fresher. It's what they want. It's part of the reason why they do it. I mean, I think it's one of those things that if K-State proves it works, you'll see other schools start doing it. These line changes I'd, drive me nuts as a player. Drive me crazy. I've been in for two plays. I'm coming back out. Oh, I'm going back in again? Okay. Just running and running. It drive me nuts. But it works for K-State, so I'm not doubting it. And they do look fresher in the fourth quarter. One thing I found really interesting today, or I guess on Tuesday when Chris Kleiman was talking at his press conferences, he said, yeah, the players know when they're going to go in. They know what drive they're going to go in. And as a former player, it's very foreign to me because you're just sitting on the sideline, like counting down. Okay, it's the third drive. It's my drive to go in now. That's very strange to me. And I think it's awesome because it gets people involved. They have to stay focused in the game instead of you're just on the sideline and the coach comes over and says, hey, you're in. You know, you have a set time of, okay, this is when I'm going to go into the game. I'm going to come out on this drive. And it's like, you know, obviously not every single drive is scripted, but there is some sort of scripted, you know, plays in the in, in formations and personnel in the beginning part of the game like there always is. But for it to extend to personnel into the second, into the third drive, to me, it's just foreign. It's, just, it's very foreign. I think that's what it is. I think everything's over scripted. There's not enough you know, flexibility. It's too rigid, you know, and sometimes that's a good thing. Follow the plan. You know, go with what we've prepared for. We're going to be okay in the end. But I think there's a little bit of an adjustment thing where they're just not doing it. I don't, I don't know how to put it. But it, like you said, oh, if I they're think- if they're preparing personnel for, you know, the fourth drive of you know this half or whatever, it's just it's so specific and so dependent on not having other guys get injured. Like there's so many variables moving, especially by the end of the game, to have everything completely scripted. It just it seems counterintuitive. It looks like in the third quarter they have a script too, which is, you know, from all the football teams that I've been around and, and seen, you typically don't have a script coming out of halftime. It's just kind of this is what we think is going to happen. This is how we are. This is our game plan for the second half. It's not we're going to run these three plays coming out of halftime no matter what happens. Because in the first half, you do have a set of 10 plays that more likely than not, you're going to run. It looks like they do that in the second half. I don't know. Which, you know, I, I could be wrong. I'm completely speculating on that. I have no idea. But that's kind of what it looks like, which is pretty strange. If, if someone's going to be wrong on this podcast, it's supposed to be me. Okay? Hey, uh, remember what Joe Klanderman said about moving from the press box to the field? He felt like he was being too analytical with his coaching and not enough, you know, kind of getting the feel of the game. And I think that might apply to the offensive staff, too. He's just kind of got to feel how the game's going. 
Now, sometimes that's bad and you just abandon what you prepared for because you, you know, you get off script too much and it doesn't work very well, but sometimes you've got to get off script because the script doesn't work. Very interesting. Uh, next question comes from Wildcat Pilot 88. Since Skyler went down, Deuce's supposed pitch count, Zach's favorite phrase. Oh, man, we got stopped. There. I didn't even bother oh, editing it because I just I didn't know what word to use. Deuce's supposed pitch count went from 15-ish to 25-ish. Is this sustainable for Deuce? Should five to ten of those touches be distributed to Joe Irvin and Jacardier, right? I would say more to Jacardier. He had none. I don't know what's going on there. I, I don't. I don't like it. He won't be around next year at this pace, and I, I, I just think that's awful because he's a very good running back. I have a feeling he'll go somewhere and be successful. No, I, I say you, you keep Deuce on the field as much as you can. Now, what it surprised me at is they haven't slid him out into the slot as much. Have you? Notice they haven't really thrown the ball. I think that's coming. That's exactly what I think we're going to see on Saturday. I think that's coming. I think we're going to see Deuce involved in the passing game a lot more because the strength of this Oklahoma State defense are those linebackers. And if you can have the linebackers worrying about Deuce Vaughn being in the slot instead of Joe Irvin being in the backfield, you might have something there. You just make them pick what poison they want. Well, I mean, look how many times Deuce Vaughn starts in the slot. And motions to the backfield. Mm-hmm. There's going to become a time where he doesn't motion to the backfield, and he's going to stay in the slot. And I think that comes on Saturday, especially, especially with the breakout game that Joe Irvin had. You could have both of those guys out there on the same at the same time. You could have Jacardier Wright, Joe Irvin, and Deuce Vaughn, and just have Deuce Vaughn line up in the slot. And never, I mean, there's endless possibilities. You could start in the diamond formation and motion Deuce Vaughn out. There's so many things mm-hmm. you can do with those guys on the field. I think that, honestly, if you're Courtney Messham, you need to play Deuce Vaughn in the slot more because it is such a mismatch on whoever's guarding him. We've talked about rotations already this podcast. I'm surprised we haven't seen a similar rotation what they did in 2019. You had James Gilbert start the game. That can be Deuce. Then you bring Jordan Brown in. That can be Joe Irvin. And then the third drive, your Harry Trotter is Jacardier Wright. And then you can leave... Deuce out on the slot for the second two drives if you need him on the field, right. or you can give him a break. You know, there's nothing wrong with sitting Deuce for a little bit because if he's touching the ball 25 times a game, that's way too much, and you're not going to have him by the end of the year. Yep. So I think that, you know, from a script standpoint, from a, a personnel and rotation standpoint, it worked in 2019, and now you have Deuce who's versatile. I feel like you got to do something similar to that. I think they need to just you, – you talked about Jacardier. They need to get him the ball. Yeah. I If you put Jacardier right in Joe Irvin's position, I think he has the exact same success that Joe Irvin had on Saturday. Yeah, you know, and I'm one – I don't think 25 is too much for Deuce. I think he's a compact kid. He doesn't take direct hits very often. He's in incredibly good shape. Being that compact means he probably has better – tendons, ligaments, those type of things, because they're not elongated as much as a tall, lanky person. But I still would like to see the ball in Jacardi's hands more. And Joe Irvin's. I just would like to see the, the, the mixing of these talents without taking them off the field. Deuce needs to be on the field. I wish they'd just use him in the slot, just flat out use him as a slot receiver in some situations so he can be on the field. Here's my grand plan. Start him in the slot. Motion him back to the backfield. Put him in motion. Go to the other slot. Come back around, play tight end. Then displace the left tackle, and he plays left tackle. That'll really mess everyone up. There we go. That's my coaching. Okay. Okay. Fourth question comes from Exhausted Nihilist. Cole just moved on. Cole just absolutely did not want anything to do with that. I think Deuce Vaughn would be an amazing left tackle. Yes. Uh, I think Cooper Beebe would also be able to eat him for dinner. Yes. Yeah, that's probably accurate. Exhausted Nihilist asks, is it true that Briley Moore and Daniel Imaterbebe are sure-handed pass catchers, or is it just because that number zero makes a perfect bullseye for the quarterback to aim for? Oh, I love number zero. I'm so glad the NCAA allows it now. It is a target. I think it is. I think there's something to it. It's a great place to throw football. Yeah. I I like this transfer tight end tradition they wear zero. I like it a lot, although we were just discussing on before they got a tight end commitment today i'm wondering if they'll take another transfer at tight end 
Well, you got Imadabebe and Leonard's going. They're going to be gone for sure. Yeah, maybe they will. I mean, they like Wheeler. They like Connor Fox. They got some young guys that they do like. Ben Sennett. He he had a nice catch. I I, I think he, we're going to see him get involved a lot more in the offense. I mean, we talked about him on the podcast before he got hurt as somebody that could potentially make an impact this year. And They love him. He's going to find his way out onto the field, I have a feeling. I love him. I think we're going to see him involved in the game plan for Oklahoma State. To answer this question, though, I mean, I've been a little – I don't want to say unimpressed, but I, I was fully bought in on Bebe when after after seeing him at fall camp, after talking to him. I mean, he is such he's, – he's such a – he's so smart. I mean, you talk yeah. to him. He's so well um, – he, he, he's, he's the typical veteran. Well, he's 24 years old. I mean, this is the one that blows me away. He graduated. He got his undergraduate degree in the summer of 2018. What? That's incredible. I mean, so he's obviously, I mean, that was his third year after three years of school, I think. He's like six years removed from high school, basically. Right, right. So he's in a different position in life. He's a little more worldly. He's got to be the only guy to play in four of the Power Five football conferences in college football history. That's a great trivia question right there. He's played in technically. Maybe he could petition and get a fifth season and go to an ACC school and just round it all out. I don't know. Uh, I like him a lot. I think he'll be more involved. I think he needs to be more involved. And what we saw Saturday was just a snippet of what he brings his team. That's a matchup issue. They had safeties that couldn't keep up with him. They had safeties that fell for and step out. I'm going to step this way, fake, one fake, and he goes straight up the field and he ran by him. It's a tight end. He's a special talent. He's going to play in the league. I agree. I mean, he's faster than what we saw last year from the position. I think he's got better hands. I, he hasn't been as involved as I thought he would be, but I think that, that also is to come. Well, it's just like they haven't thrown the ball. They haven't. So, I mean, we can sit here until we're blue in the face and say, you know, Phillip Brooks, Malik Knowles, Daniel Marbet, all these guys need to get more involved. But unless they throw the ball, they, they can't. I mean, we saw what he could do against Stanford. He, ha- he had a nice game against Stanford. It was a very – what do you have, three or four catches? I mean, they only threw the ball nine times against – you only completed nine passes against Stanford. They completed nine passes or 11 passes or something like that against um, – Nevada this past weekend. So we really haven't seen what he can do. But, I mean, just from the skill set, just from the place he has made, you know there's so much more left in the tank. He's fun. No doubt about it. Last question of the first half comes from Herdez. Joe, who do you think separates themselves first, Will Howard or Jaron Lewis? Mm. Mm. I think it's Will. I think he He's already ar- has. Will's already separated. Yeah, I think he already has. I mean, if Will wasn't separated, we'd be in a full-blown quarterback controversy right now. The fact that it's not, okay. I get that. I get that Jaron Lewis. You know, the, the coaches like him, and he's good. Like, I don't think he's bad. I just think that the fact where Will Howard stands right now compared to where Jaron Lewis is with the development, I just I don't I don't see Will ever losing the job. I don't know about that. I, I'm just going to say it. I like Will Howard a lot. I think he's been unfairly criticized because he's a kid that's been in really bad situations. And he's handled them off the field like a champ. I mean, what? After the game Saturday, he ran over to the student section and yelled, he's the best college football fans ever. I got, I got news for you, students. You didn't deserve that compliment. Nope. Not from him. Not when you turned on him in a heartbeat and wanted a four-string quarterback to come in, or maybe fifth string. I I like Will Howard a lot, but I'm just going to say this. Jaron Lewis has a upside that I don't even know if we understand right now. He has the biggest arm in the quarterback room. I've seen him make throws and warm-ups that I just don't understand. Now, granted, he's had understanding issues. He hasn't grasped the offense. He hasn't learned to do reads. He hasn't had maybe some of those natural, excuse me, some of those developed quarterback skills you see because he's been such a good athlete. He's kind of relied on that a little bit. He can make a big throw. He can run the ball. I think there's something. He's 6'4". We always said he looked like Alex Delton quite a bit. 
but he's taller. But he now he's looking leaner and taller than we saw him when he was a true freshman, and he's wearing five. I mean, it just looked like him. Um, and I just think there's something special about this kid. And I, I suspect it's going to be a quarterback, but I don't know. Um, stay tuned. Saturday's going to be really interesting to me. If it doesn't go well for Will Howard, how long do they let that persist? Do they do what they did to get in Southern Illinois and said, he's our guy, We've, we gave Jaron some time, and now we're just going to run the ball and try to get out of here or win? Or are they going to say, nope, we got to get points, we got to make something happen and put in Jaron Lewis? I know he handed off. I know he had some checks. I know he didn't do anything dramatic. But I thought both times he was in there, the offense looked like it was moving methodically, like they, they had a plan. They knew what they wanted to do. There was a good rhythm to everything. Everything seemed to click when he was in the game and that we hadn't seen from Will. I mean, he had the two-play scoring drive, and then he had two empty drives. And Jaron comes in, and everything just looked comfortable. Everyone looked like they knew what they were doing and why they were doing it. And I don't know if that's quarterback or just down in distance and those things. I like him. And I think there's something going on here. They didn't just gift him two two series. They wanted to see something because they know there's something with him. See, I agree with you on pretty much everything you said, Fitz. The one thing, the one thing that worries me with Jaron is what Coach Kleiman talked about on Tuesday. When I think it was, I think Goins might have asked him, you know, well, what, what specifically? can Jaron Lewis work on? Like what, what specifically is holding him back from taking that next step? He said, grasping the offense, just feeling the reads. And I think he might've said another, something specific related to, you know, managing the game. What, what, what troubles me is that they felt like a Will Howard who didn't have any off season with the team last year, Versus a Jaron Lewis who had spent two, it was his second year in the system, having a normal year, his first year, granted he didn't have a spring ball, but still having been in the system, they felt like Will Howard was above him. Right. And then this year, Skyler gets hurt. They both have the same offseason. It's Jaron Lewis's third year in the system, and they still felt like Will Howard was above him. If the talent is so close and they feel like Will Howard is – you know, grasping the system more, but Jaron Lewis maybe has more talent. That gap between understanding the system to where Jaron Lewis is and Will Howard has to be great because there's no way if Jaron, if they view Jaron Lewis as somebody that can potentially change a game, there's no way that he should, he shouldn't be playing. I just, I worry that the grasp of the offense is so, he's so far behind the other quarterbacks that it's going to take him a while to catch up. That's what I I worry about. I don't know if he's that far behind anymore. I think he finally woke up and closed that gap or they wouldn't have played him. And this isn't um, a Daniel Sams, Jake Waters thing. This goes, this farther back. This is L. Roberson, Mark Dunn all over again. Mark Dunn was the system guy, the guy that could throw it and was smart, understood football. And L would go in and do things that drove everyone crazy, throw interceptions. But then he would just do things like, well, you cannot replicate that. And what happened is eventually he learned the offense. He learned how to read defenses. Plus he had all those dynamic playmaking abilities. Uh, It's going to be what it's, it's a different world now because it's so easy to transfer. Charlie Brewer, your phone's ringing. Um, it's so easy to transfer now and so easy to give up, quit, and go somewhere else. I admire Jaron Lewis for not doing it. But how long will he stick it out? I mean, he's got another quarterback behind him right now on the depth chart who's everyone's raving about, and they should. He's one of the highest recruits K-State's had in a while, Jake Rubley. Will Howard's getting the playing time. This little window of time with Skyler out is really important to these quarterbacks. A lot will be decided by what they do in these games without Skyler Thompson. We've had one sampling, and they both passed in my book. They both did what they needed to do in the course of that Nevada game. If we see them both again on Oklahoma State, what's that mean? I suspect we will see them again against Oklahoma. That's just I have no information on that. I'm just guessing that they're going to take their lumps with Oklahoma 
They, they know – they don't want Skyler out there against Oklahoma. Mm. The, Oklahoma's out for blood after losing two games in a row, and I wouldn't trust them with it. I wouldn't trust Oklahoma State with Skyler playing. I mean, the, K-State might be down to the fourth quarterback by the end of the Oklahoma State game. They, they play dirty ball. There's no doubt about it. They're very physical, but we've seen – we've had the video of some of the nonsense twisting ankles in the pile and spearing Colin Klein in the helmet in a, in a touchdown pile. Um, how that was never a penalty, I don't understand. But um, I think they'll take the week off and then go to the Iowa State game and um, see what happens. We have a dog drinking in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what you get when we lose our office due to COVID and we end up at home. <laughs> that drink was brought to you by the fridge, and we'll be back with the second half of the Powercat Questions podcast. GoPowerCat.com's Powercat podcast continues after this short break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Questions Podcast. Somehow our schedule has gotten screwed up today. We are here at... It's 9 o'clock. It's 9 o'clock at night uh, recording this podcast. I don't know what went wrong here. Well, let's be honest. We had to accommodate Cole... Midnight Carmody's class schedule because Tuesday's his big day. The guy's mm. trying to get a degree, folks. He wants to be a teacher and form young mimes. What, mimes or mimes? Yeah, I think young mimes. Yeah, is that what teachers do? Form young mimes. Anyhow, he's going to be a fine teacher and coach, so we're going to let him do that and we'll accommodate him. But then I jacked around and got a bunch of other stuff done while they sat here and watched me, and now we're late. Anyhow, we're sponsored by the fridge. <clears throat> I figure since we're running late, I shouldn't be babbling on about mm. why I was running late because now we're running. Oh, here I go again. Our segment sponsors are Tanners and the High Low. Please support local businesses and make sure you stop into the fridge. Tell Kevin and company you heard about them on the PowerCat podcast and then ask for Die Hard on VHS. I think I'm going to go by near there after we're done. Oh, you're going to have that... Uh, Chicken sandwich you were mentioning? Yeah, the chicken sandwich taco from Taco Bell. Oh, there was an ad. Ba-dum. Stop by in Manhattan to the Bill Snyder Taco Bell right across from the fridge. Bill Snyder family Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. More questions from Wabash Station. Cole Carmody. From the dot two, how big of a loss is Khalid Duke? Big. Big loss, but... They that's their position where they can have those losses. Like it's if you're gonna lose one position guy, bad. Eh, that's it sucks. But there's like five guys on the team that I think are really big difference makers. He's one of them. But Nate Matlack comes in and makes plays. He looked good. <laughs> so he I'm looked like, really good. I mean he. He ran down Carson Strong from behind and stopped him. He was going to get a first down. I don't and think I, there's anybody else on the defensive line that can do that. Maybe Khalid Duke. Maybe. Yeah. Yep. It was impressive. So, yeah. Is K-State better with him? Yes. Can K-State replicate what Khalid Duke can do um, in many ways? Yeah. I think where the fall off is is finishing the sack. Duke has, an, has a sense for that. And I think there's something to learn at the college level. His quarterbacks are a little more savvy and just little movements can throw you off. And Matlock hasn't gotten there. But, yeah, that sucks. That's horrible. I feel so terrible for him. I mean, he was bound to have a really, really good year. 
So that sucks for him. But I mean, as far as K State goes, you know who was having a better year was Felix Anaduke Uzama. Now, oh, you threw in the the yep. hyphen name. Yep. I've decided I'm not using it. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I know it's on his jersey, guys. But I even wrote it. I even wrote it. Um, they, see, have, they gonna, have updated it in the media guy. Yeah. They, uh, but I, Can we call him Felix? I call him Felix a lot, let's be honest. But it, well, I have to – okay, this is what it's about. Damn it. I didn't want to confess this. Okay, I'm really lazy, and I have to go into the 24-7 database and change it. If we're going to start writing it that way to put in our hot links to his bio, it has to have it in there. Yeah. That's a commitment I'm not willing to make at this point. Mm. Sorry, Felix. I'm not I mean, I remember when Jordan Henriquez was something else. Jordan Henriquez dash Roberts. 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 I was going with Jones. I don't see, that's the point. It's the first one you always remember. Yeah. He was Jordan Henriquez Roberts first yeah. though, right? Yeah, he was. That's how I know him. I don't know who Jordan Henriquez is. Who's yeah, that guy. Yeah, J O R. Hold on, J H. The O the O doesn't mean anything. It doesn't make does it? the J, the O never made sense. Huh. We're on a tangent, but I'm answering the question. Um, Felix, as we were talking about, has having a better year than Khalid Duke was up to this point. Now he didn't do very much on Saturday, but he had three sacks against Southern Illinois, or as Chris Kleiman calls him, Southern. And then against Stanford, what did he have? I believe he had one and a half, maybe. Yep, I think so. so he had had a better year up to that point. If he can continue to progress, he will be that guy that rep- that quote unquote replaces Wyatt Hubert. I don't think K State's going to have any trouble re- quote unquote replacing Wyatt Hubert because I actually think they're so much better on the defensive line this year than they were last year. But Nate Matlack brings another element. He brings the speed that Khalid Duke had. He's definitely a little bit more raw um, around the edges, but I think he gets some game action and. He's not going to be that far off of what Khalid Duke was. I really don't think so. Felix was a gray shirt who came, was awarded a scholarship that someone didn't make it. And so he came in. He was like an afterthought recruit. That's how weird recruiting is. This this dude from the Salem uh, witchcraft paper in Oregon. Whatever, Salem, whatever, Oregon. Different Salem, but... Yeah, <laughs> different parts of the country. You tried. I'd just be in a smart ass. Um, so I guess he cited ranking USC baked based on recruiting rankings. I'm like, what's that got to do with games? Anyhow, but he's a perfect example of that. This kid can play. I, I did radio out of um, Oklahoma City today, Tuesday, and they asked about Deuce Vaughn and how good he is, and I'm like... And he's perfect for Kansas State. He's got a he's got a defect about his profile. It's not grades and it's not attitude, it's height. So nobody wanted him. He's a three star running back. But he plays like a five star. That's what K State thrives on. He didn't become a great running back. Because at K-State, he arrived a great running back that nobody else wanted because he was too short to play at college. We know that's BS. So these are the kind of guys that K-State has long thrived on. And I appreciate the fact that Chris Kleiman seems to still understand that. I still would like some more four stars, though. Let's get some more four stars. And the... This, I, I mentioned this on a daily delivery. This new rule that KNED put up the link for, and I appreciate it because I had missed it, and so I did a, a DD on it, about the transfer portal. If you lose up to seven guys departing your program, you can replace them with other transfer portal guys that don't count towards your scholarships. Folks, this is huge for Kansas State. It's enormous for a program like Kansas I mean, essentially, you get a recruiting class now of 32 mm-hmm. if you have that many guys depart, which when you're building happens. It happens everywhere. But if you're a program that's in transition, we've seen it with K-State basketball. If you're in transition, guys are heading out the door. The fact now in football, you can add in seven transfer portal like swaps, basically, and not count towards your recruiting class is enormous for these football programs like Kansas State. It's enormous because you can go out and find tried and true guys that you know, rush yeasts. You can go find those guys. 
Timmy Horn, find them at a lower level. They can play up, plug them in, and they're not going to count. Wow, it's big. Next question comes from Jedediah. Is this week's game against Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State a trap game for K-State? No. Trap games? No. Trap games are Southern Illinois. Yeah. You, you know, you, you just beat Stanford. You're looking ahead to Nevada, and Southern's a pretty good team. That's a trap game. Yeah, they know look, what they're getting into at Oklahoma State. They're not looking over Oklahoma State and have OU circled on the calendar. Yeah. That just that isn't like this program, and it just this season just doesn't it doesn't fit like that. Oklahoma State's not a a program you can overlook. I don't worry about any of that with this group. No, I don't either. I mean this this team. They have my has, faith until they screw it up. Sure, I mean, but they have a chip on their shoulder. They seem like. They come to they come to practice every day and they work hard and they seem very team centered, which we know was not always the case. It's the revenge tour, which I think is awesome. By the way, I, I I really appreciate the entire metaphor that Noah Johnson's come up with. I don't appreciate it that it's recycled from Butler Community College, but okay, I can deal with it. He didn't have to tell us that. I part. know he just kind of <laughs> ruined it for me. But the fact that he's now saying this bus has no rearview mirrors. I love how there's a storyline. Mm-hmm. the The storyline is advancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it has no. You don't look back on this bus. Personally, I think you need to check your mirrors, kids. If you're out there driving, make sure you have the mirrors adjusted so you can see what's behind you. Noah Johnson, in the metaphor world of this bus, has removed all the mirrors. Our safety has dropped, but we're going forward and we're doing it fast. That's Noah's metaphor, and I'm embracing it. Even if it's got a grizzly bear in the bus, because he's left over from the butler. Okay, let's move on. I'm rambling. The butler, as if it's a person. The, but, the butler. The butler. Okay. The butler. Uh, Jedediah wants to know again, Oklahoma State has allowed an average 2.6 yards per carry this season. How will K-State need to adjust their offensive game plan to have successful drives? Well, um, can we look at who Oklahoma State yeah. played, though? I mean, they have not seen a running back like Deuce Vaughn. No. They played Missouri State, they played Tulsa, and they played Boise State. And I don't know that Boise's that interested in running the ball. Uh, Tulsa's been effective. Tulsa played with Ohio State for a half, for God's sakes. I think Tulsa's pretty decent this year. But, yeah, you got to look into schemes. I think this defense for Oklahoma State is much better than it has been. I'm happy for Joe Bob Clements, one of my favorite guys in the world. And so I'm glad he's seeing some success, and I hope that defense improves so he can get a coordinator job like he deserves eventually. Um, but K-State runs a more complex running game. They can do a lot of things out of that running game that can defeat your preparation. They shift. I mean, if, if you understand football, when they're shifting people, they're not just trying to figure out what coverage you're in. They're actually moving their, your players around to get them where they want them to be. I mean, that's exactly the call against Stanford that they, the Deuce Vaughn long touchdown. They had a shift, they moved a guy, and they knew right then and there the play would work if they blocked it right at the point of attack. And Deuce had to make one guy miss, which he did easily. So, yeah, I, I'm not, it's not going to be as easy as it was Saturday to run the ball. K State, when they were in sync, were just churning it. It was, it was amazing. I loved how Chris Kleiman said it on Tuesday. They were almost letting us run. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't. I don't. I think they were so misaligned, and you know, so they're going to have to throw the ball more. K State will have to throw the ball more to keep Oklahoma State honest, but they will be effective running the ball. I think if I'm Oklahoma State, I'm playing zone coverage, one hundred percent. And they're almost all the man, right? And. You know, I I think that's what you have to do if you're Oklahoma State, though, because you are going up against a quarterback in Will Howard. And if you want to throw Jaron Lewis into that mix, who, let's be honest, have struggled at times going for the first, second, third options. When you play man coverage as a quarterback, as long as he's not double covered, there's a chance he's going to be open if he's one-on-one, right? So when you try and confuse them, and you want to add in the blitzing factor. Usually teams blitz when they run man. Well, K-State's offensive line has done an excellent job at keeping the quarterback upright. I mean, I can't think of a time where they've given up more than 
a sack of drive. You know, I, it's been really good. So, sure, I think if you're Oklahoma State, you got to play zone. But at the same time, if you play zone, then K State, typically teams that play zone, it makes it easier to run the ball. So you know, it's kind of which end of the which end of the sword are you going to fall on if you're Oklahoma State trying to stop this K State rushing attack? Because K State's rushing attack, also you mentioned it being complex, but their offensive line it's so simple. They run inside zone, they run outside zone, they run power, but they're so effective at it. The pre-step motion causes so much confusion. It's just people can hate on Courtney Messingham all they want, but with the cards he's been dealt this year, I think he's done an excellent job. I agree. I agree. I. I I'm not a Messingham hater. I think he gets in ruts with his play calling at times, but we've seen him pull himself out of it this year. Um, the, the most bl- glaring example to me was Liberty Bowl. He's got himself in a rut. And then then it became desperation time, and he opened it up. <laughs> Things worked. So, yeah, I think he gets uh, a little too conservative at times, but he's needed to be conservative over the last seven quarters of K-State football. Agreed. Um, from Wildcat Pilot 88, if K-State's defense continues to look this good, will Joe Klanderman find one million reasons to coach somewhere else a la Scotty Hazel? <laughs> he probably needs more experience. I don't think so. Yeah. I experience and I think loyalty to Chris. Yeah, I think he's – it would have to be significant, I think, to drag him out of here. One, from what I understand, his wife loves it here, which is always a factor guys don't quite calculate in. Uh, and uh, – to, as Zach said, he's in this position because of Chris Kleiman. Chris chose him to come with him and then chose him to be the new D coordinator without, you know, very much experience at that after Scotty Hazleton left. He's good. He's oh, I, really good. I think he's really good. And he's fantastic hair. His hair last Thursday was annoying. It's incredible. It was so on point. I'm just like, man, I wish I had hair. If I had hair, I wanted to look like Joe Klanderman's. In fact, I might Photoshop Klanderman's hair onto my head. Like the, the Trump hair? Like the Trump hair. <laughs> I saw that pop up this last week. Somebody yeah. brought that back up. I think it was Riley. Yeah. It yeah, was. it was scary. It's I put this was in during the like during the primaries of 2016. I I photoshopped Trump's hair off. And what was funny about it is if you know anything about Photoshop, the images might be totally different sizes and the hair might be like slightly off kilter. No, it was amazing. I lifted Trump's hair off Photoshop and it literally just sat down on my head perfectly for the size photo. And then I just kind of Photoshopped in the edges to make it look pretty. It looks fantastic. It's the best, it's the best hair I've ever had. And it's Trump's hair. So that shows how bad my hair has been. Let's move on. I hope we answered your question, Wildcat Pilot 88. Uh, that was a pretty good tangent by Fitz, but you know, we'll keep it. Joe Klinderman's hair is fantastic. From KSU number one, should the conference talk with ESPN regarding this week? What is there to talk what? about? Okay, here's, here's my real problem. <clears throat> ESPN owns the third tier rights right now for eight of the ten schools. This is not a third tier game. That's what I don't understand why this has become a problem. Why is this game on ESPN Plus? This is a Tier 2 game or a Tier 1 game. This is not a third-tier game in any way. Southern Illinois was the third-tier game. Right. Mm -hmm. That's it. Nevada. Nevada could be, but in the past it was only one game that could be. I mean, the Longhorn Network technically only has the rights to one game. They buy an extra game. Once in a while, usually Iowa State for some weird reason. But they, this shouldn't be on the plus. It shouldn't be. I don't understand why it is. So I'm going to, here's another tangent for you. I'm watching the college football daily show, whatever they call it, on ESPN. And uh, there was a younger analyst on there. I have no idea who he was. Never seen him before. He was dressed like he just woke up for a nap, from a nap. But he's talking, they're, they're buying and selling. I don't mind that both him and David, what's his name? Who's on game day? Yeah. Yeah. Pollock. 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 David Pollock. They both were selling K-State at 3-0. I don't mind that. I think that the the line was, can these teams get to nine wins or whatever? I don't even know. I didn't hear the setup, but I just happened to trip across him talking about K-State. This dude actually says, well, K-State could uh, trip into winning nine games because they're in the Big 12. ESPN, what the hell is going on? 
now you have detached yourself from the reality of what's happening on the field. Have you looked at what the Big 12 is doing in the non-con? And are you are you really going to hold the rest of the Big 12 accountable for Texas having a horrific loss to Arkansas when Texas leaving would hurt the conference? How does that make sense in any way? Uh, he took like three cheap shots on K-State in a 30-second segment. And I'm like, what the hell, man? What? I Okay, you don't think K-State's a good team this year. I get it. But what team in the history of college football in a major conference has has been lucky to win nine games? Just just by fortune. They did it by mistake, is what he said. What the hell are you talking about? ESPN, it's not even transparent what you're doing. It's blatantly obvious what you're doing. I'm just sick of it, man. You know what game needs to be on ESPN Plus this weekend? It's SMU and TCU. That's the game. If you're going to put a game of two teams that are undefeated on ESPN Plus, you need to put that game on ESPN Plus. But they're not going to do it because it's the Dallas market. It's the Dallas market, and plus it's two conferences. And anytime you get two conferences, your ratings kind of typically go up unless it's the Pac-12 because they don't give a crap. Or what about about Iowa State at Baylor? That's another game. That's a game. If you're going to put a team on there, see, why not? Baylor is lower on the the list. But Iowa State's highly ranked. I think it's a better... I see I think, why they. I think K State, Oklahoma State. I think, I think you have two fan bases that are going to tune into the game, and it's the most optimal way for ESPN to right. to make money off of off of right. you I, know, this this contract with the Big Twelve. I can see why this came to pass. I understand why it came to pass. The pecking order took place. ESPN's made it very clear. They got both OU and Texas, and they put them on their ABC. Mothership, I get what happened here. Iowa State's higher ranked. You mentioned TCU, SMU. It just fell down to ending up being, and Kansas goes, Duke goes to the ACC network. This was the leftover. My problem isn't that this game was the last one in the pecking order and ended up on ESPN+. Plus. It shouldn't be on ESPN+. Plus. There shouldn't be a game this week on ESPN+. Yep. Plus. Yeah. It wasn't that way before ESPN Plus. It's not like you just decided, oh, well, we don't have a slot for Oklahoma State, Kansas State. We're not going to show it. No, you found a spot for it in the past. But Zach's also right. I think K-State, because a credit to K-State's athletics department, does a great job of self-producing baseball, volleyball. And K-State fans are K-State fans. They're not... KU basketball fans, oh, by the way, we have a football team, or Oklahoma football fans, I I think we play basketball. K-State fans are K-State fans. If they see women's soccer is on ESPN+, there's a good chance they're going to stop and watch some of it. Mm -hmm. They're fans through and through. That means they probably have a lot of K-State subscribers on that. And so they see on their platform, and and there's a lot of similarities between these fan bases. Probably Oklahoma State fans have been watching ESPN Plus and probably thought, well, we'll have the most viewers possible with these two schools. I mean, when you have a, a special, a series like yeah. they did last year with uh, with Mike Gundy, and I don't even remember what it was called, but it was just like the miles to go with KU, but nobody's no KU fans are tuning in to, well, to here's, that. Here's, yeah, wasn't that calling mullet, mullet over? I don't, uh, think that's, I don't think that's what the pun was, but that's, I think that was it. Mullet over, with, uh, mullet over with Mike Gundy. See, my thoughts on ESPN Plus, and I should have done a hear me out like I did with Will Howard from. Okay, I should have posted posted this on the board. I like your hear me out, but I would rather be on ESPN Plus than ESPNU. I think, I think that ESPN Plus is a better home yeah. for football games than ESPNU. And when you look at the pecking order, it probably goes ABC, ESPN, Fox, FS1, ESPN2. Those are the five channels and the order of preference that you would want to be on. Then you get down into the the lower ESPNs. Would you rather be on ESPNU? Where if you're thinking about, oh, national exposure, we want to be on cable. Well, guess what? Cox, for whatever reason, still has ESPNU as this upper level tier where you got to pay extra each month. 
It doesn't make everybody's home like AT&T, whatever package you get ESPN, they bundle them all together. You don't get that on Cox, which is, which is like the market leader probably in Kansas as far as cable goes, at least in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. So at least with ESPN plus, you can subscribe yourself. You don't have to call your cable company as long as you have internet and some sort of device to put it on your TV. You don't have to put it on your TV if you don't want to. You can watch it on your phone, iPad, you know, whatever you want to watch it on. You can sign up that day and get immediate access. And as long as your internet's good, and as long as ESPN isn't screwing up, which they did in the past, but I think they've got it somewhat okay. I hate the ESPN app, but as long as it's working, it's crystal clear. But I'm going I would to. rather when you when you have a game on ESPNU versus ESPN Plus, the people going to ESPNU are the people who go to ESPN Plus. Nobody's stopping and channel surfing and going to ESPNU and stopping on a football game and saying, "Yeah, that's the one I want to watch." When there's definitely other games on ABC, Fox, CBS, ESPN. There's better football games me, for the most part. Let me ask you a question. We're into the weeds now because I'm just curious. Do you think there's cost? Sunk costs into maintaining a cable channel like ESPNU. Is it possible the day will come when ESPN says, we're not going to continue to maintain this, both news and you and all this? I'm surprised they're still branded the way they are. And they haven't rebranded them to ESPN3, ESPN4, or, you know, ESPN College Football, ESPN NBA. they still use the ESPN3 branding for some conferences. I find it very confusing. Slightly. It's I think on it's plus, but but I it's think not it's ESPN much, Plus though. Like I, if you're subscribed to ESPN through your cable package, the way I see I, it, yeah, I'm that's what sure. it has been. I think ESPN three is pretty much done at this point. Well, I just I don't smaller conferences, yeah, smaller but conferences, yeah. Um, I will amend what you said. One thing: FS1 has slipped well below. Any ESPN channel. Fair enough. The ratings have been trash. K State Stanford ratings were awful. Is Tim Brand Brando? Bray. Oh. Bray. Bray. And where's where's my notes? For Oklahoma, not Oklahoma oh, State. Dang it, I don't know. I don't know. I probably is. Yeah, two thirty, so. I know this. I, I Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt like doing K State games. They've had a a number of exciting yeah. K State games. And Deuce Vaughn has got to be fun for for Gus. He's got to come up with another nickname. It's funny as they lost like five games with Gus Johnson at the call, <laughs> yeah. and then they go they down to OU football. and finally win that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you know? Next question comes from big, big, big time Timmy Jim. I love his name. Is it time to end pass outs and have beer sales at Bill Snyder Family Stadium? I am baffled why we are holdouts. Do we know what the issue is? No. I don't know what the issue is. The issue – I don't. I don't know. I. I don't. I just don't know. I don't. I think know. I, maybe the issue is you don't have a practice facility where a whole bunch of parking spots and tailgates are. So now, once you build that, there's less places for people to go at halftime. So then you'll shut the gates. Then well, I don't if, know. Maybe if, that's it. If this question is in response to one of the tweets that was sent out and kind of viral amongst K-State Twitter with the side of the um, opposite of the press box with. The fans that were noticeably gone during the beginning of the second half. If this is if this question is in response to that, let me just say, you it cannot was... blame anybody no. who left or who went up in the shade because that's something you couldn't see in that picture. That if you were at the game, you could see, especially in the student section, everybody moved up and went into the shade. You couldn't see that in that picture. No. It's not. It was a hundred degrees outside the entire game. You can't talk about people ninety-one, but leaving and it was. A midday game. This is where K State screwed up. The game was on ESPN Plus. Play it at eleven or six. Yeah, you can't do that in early September. You just can't. And I know one's the preference, but that the sun was over the top of the stadium the entire game. It never gave relief to anyone. So I don't. It was third quarter, maybe second quarter. I got up to grab a drink because it's really tough up there in the press box. You get thirsty, and two paramedic EMTs. I don't know what they were. Were back there getting a drink too because they were overheated and I go, how's your day going? And he goes, we're wall to wall overheats. And I mean, this isn't even fourth quarter. This is the game is still in the middle of the game. He goes, we're dealing with so many people passing out. Those silver benches on top of white concrete 
just turn that into an oven out there. Yeah. And it's an issue. Mm-hmm. It's a real issue. But uh, I don't blame I'm I'm a person that gets mad about fans leaving. Saturday, I didn't know. As soon as I looked down to the veneer complex and I saw every bit of shade was occupied, I knew what was going on. Yep. When I first saw that tweet, I actually was in favor of the tweet. I was like, yeah, because I'm down on there on the field. I'm on the visitor's sideline. That's my preferred sideline for really anywhere, as long as, you know, it's usually the, the least crowded sideline. But that's out on the heat. I was wearing a giant non-breathable photo vest and lugging around a camera. I wouldn't say I was struggling because I, I prefer heat over cold if I'm going to be outside doing work. But You're a golfer. Yeah, yeah, I'll play golf in 100-degree heat. It's fine. You know, I I can live with it. I didn't think it was the hottest game that I had ever done. I could have sworn that there were hotter games, or at least the way they they were. And there's definitely been some hotter 6 p.m. kicks. Like Louisiana Lafayette, I think, in 2013 was 101 at 6 o'clock, I believe. But I looked it up. That game, the finishing temperature was tied for the hottest temperature of any game. In the last like 10 years. So yeah, they played it at the absolute wrong time. Did a 180. I was, I would have said, yeah, the fans should have stayed there. No, no, it was the hottest game, at least mid afternoon. And the way, you know, temperatures usually about four or five o'clock in Kansas. That's usually the high for the day, especially in September. And they chose the, the absolute worst time of day to do it. And they got extremely unlucky too. I can't believe that the fact that 91, other than these six o'clock start times where there's, you know, a little bit higher of a temperature, but at least as far as a sustained temperature goes, hottest game it was, ever. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Last question of the podcast comes from KSU number one. This might be the best question we've had so far today. To sandstorm or not to sandstorm? That is the question. Zach, you got to do it. You got to do. You got to. You you got to figure out a way to quit having the FKU chant over university traditions. And I get that some people say, "Oh, Stanstorm, that's a university tradition." No, no, it's not. No, it's not. But bring back Stanstorm. the 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 whole reason we're in this mess, and and Pickles brought this up on the site on that thread about the the chant. It's like give them Stanstorm, and they'll alleviate the problems. And I agree. How long has this fight been going on? The since John Curry. Really? Yeah. Probably 2015, 2016. We have an entirely new student body. They play? Yeah. An entirely I, new student body, and they've picked up the fight, too. I don't remember. My freshman year would have been uh, – be, I came 18? here second semester, so the end of 2018, beginning of 2019. And they played Sandstorm, I think. Like it was the game against West Virginia where K State in basketball was down by twenty one points in in at twenty one points at halftime. They were down by twenty two at some point. They came all the way back and won. They played Sandstorm during that game. Sure. And it was no, not playing KU or anything. And I think they even played it during the KU game. I don't remember the FKU chant during the Wabash really becoming prominent until twenty nineteen when Gene Taylor came out and said, Hey, we're not gonna play this. Because they played Sandstorm after K-State won the Big 12 championship in basketball and beat Oklahoma. They played Sandstorm. That's the last but time I remember. they've used it sparingly. They've used, the, they've used Sandstorm sparingly. They got rid of it in the mid-2010, whatever we want to call it, the mid-2010s. And it's just been kind of a, oh, we can't play it. Cause, and then they'll chant it at something else, like Sweet Caroline or whatever. You know, it's just... People don't know. I don't know if it was you just, that brought this up or somebody else brought it up in the thread, but it was like... Current students have no idea that that chant originated to Sandstorm. They think it's because they think that's what you say during the Wabash game. And like they'll do it at the bars. Right. I mean, that's really probably where it lives is the bars. I'm just going to say it. And this is going to be a get off my lawn moment. Students, you got to stop. This is a cherished K-State tradition and you're taking a giant heaping dump on it. And it is pissing people off. It's pissing people off. You're not going to win the argument this way because now you're making enemies. I have wanted them to play Sandstorm, and now I'm doing a 180 like, well, if you can't. No, you can't. You can't give in to them at this point. 
The thing, the thing that's so it's, frustrating. It's, it, it it just amazes me that this would even come up. I I don't understand how you can be a Kansas State person and ever think to mention your rival in your most important fight song. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I don't understand. But I'll say this. Why do I suspect that the people that were so upset about the the word F being said to Sandstorm are the same people who don't want the pass out to the stadium because they always go to their tailgate? I, I just have a feeling it's the same crowd mm-hmm. that has got Gene Taylor's email address wearing out. I don't know. What were you going to say? Uh, well, see, this is what I've come to conclusion on and i've talked to many people see all my friends that are students are diehard fans that come to the game they sit in the first few rows you know they don't they don't live at the tailgate which is well let's be honest a majority of the students live at the tailgate right they're the ones that say we couldn't even hear it during the fight song nobody around us is saying it it's the people in the back that come in three minutes before kickoff when the band just gets in there and they're drunk off their minds, they're the ones that are starting it. That's not how that phrase goes, by the way. And remember two years ago where Frank Trace marched the band right off the field when they started the chant. He just stopped playing it and they left. And I think it went away for the most part after that. Frank Trace, where are you at now? It's it was your song. It was and you hear loud. the chants. It was loud on Saturday. It was louder on it's, Saturday than it was the Saturday before. And it was loud on the Saturday before. Mm-hmm. This is insane. It's tarnishing university traditions. And at that point, it's just ridiculous. And Adam, uh, Adam K63 sit on the boards. Kick him out. And it had down votes. And it's like... I would kick him out too. I, I, brought, I until Until the conference or... Some governing body, because they'll do stuff like this in soccer in Europe. UEFA will ban fans or ban sections of fans from coming to games when they do something stupid. They chant something stupid at a player. They'll ban entire stadiums if something like that happens. When will that happen in America? When will that happen in the Big 12? And when will somebody decide, hey, K-State, you need to be accountable for being idiots on television? And in your stadium, it doesn't. It does. It's not even for the whole rivalry thing, right? It just goes to. It represents the university. If you're a recruit with your mom on campus, Got it. and you are on the sidelines trying to take in the atmosphere, which, by the way, has been awesome the first two games. I think it's important to say that the fans are showing up and the overall atmosphere has been good. But the one stain on it has been that if you're a recruit on campus and that's the first thing that you hear. Yeah, I agree. We're playing Southern Illinois. Why are we? Why are we? Why you know? Why are we saying that as students? I can say that because I'm a student. Why are we as students tarnishing our reputation over something that has nothing to do with the university? And quite honestly, when they play KU, you shouldn't even chant it then. Well, I'm going to suggest the athletic department, and they take all my suggestions and quickly throw them away. But I'm going to suggest this: that you put together a video. Explaining what the tradition is of the Nichols fire. We have that photo right here on our wall. It was the one piece of music that survived because the band director took it home in his briefcase to try to arrange it. Because it's a different song. K-State plays it differently than most schools. So when the band went to the next game, this is the story. It might be a wives' tale, but this is the the story has survived through history. There's some people that say, hold on, those dates don't add up. Okay, that's fine. But they, this is what they played over and over at the next basketball game because they had the music. All the rest of the sheet music and instruments were gone because they were all inside Nichols Hall, Nichols Gym. Whoops. And so it literally has been an important part of this university for more than 50, more than 60 years probably. When was the fire? I think it's 50, more than 50. Because the 50th anniversary happened a few years ago, and it would have been cool to play Syracuse. Because I think that was the next team that they would have played it at. Yeah. But no, nobody cared. Well, I nobody cared. 1968. It was 68. Okay, I was thinking it was earlier. But yeah, it was during the old Vietnam stuff, so it would have been about then. So yeah, it's been a little more than 50 years. It's been an important part of the history of really post World War II K State athletics, and now the students chant 
the F word with the rival's name in the middle of it. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Power Cat Podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.